Welcome to Breakfast with Tiffany Show. My name is Tiffany Rosdell and I am a Tokyo-based transformational lifestyle coach. In each episode of this podcast, I want to explore the positive transitions other people have made to, how they freed themselves from their struggles, what pushed them to overcome their difficulties, and how and why they felt like they could overcome. Breakfast with Tiffany Show is really all about the transitions everyone who wants to succeed makes and what they did to get there. As such, while the focus is on LGBTQ plus journeys, I want to share the stories of all people who have found their way to success. My hope is to have this platform for all of us to be together while listening to successful stories, amazing life experiences, inspirational journeys, as well as having good laughs and lots of smiles. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to something quite extraordinary. It's the Breakfast with Tiffany Show podcast. And now, it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to your host, Tiffany Rossdale. Welcome back to Breakfast with Tiffany Show, where we dive into inspiring stories and thought-provoking conversations. Today, we have a truly remarkable individual joining us again. This is her second time to be appearing on the show. And the reason why we are having her again is because last time she was here, she was so generous in sharing her authentic stories and also educated us about the LGBTQ plus community. So today, we're thrilled to have a true advocate for diversity and inclusion, Celia Sandia Daniels, a remarkable entrepreneur, musician, and gender non-binary champion. Celia's journey has been filled with triumphs over challenges in both the U.S. and India. With over two decades as a management consultant for Fortune 100 companies, Celia has earned prestigious awards for her outstanding commitment to equality. As a passionate advocate, she's currently shaping policies, building allies, and serving on different organizations. And during our conversation today, we'll explore Celia's unique perspective on the importance of using correct gender pronouns and how it ties into creating a more respectful and supportive community. So without further ado, let's welcome back Celia to the podcast. Celia, it's fantastic to have you here again. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tiffany, and thank you so much. I just love your show, and I am happy to be back. I know we had so many informal conversations, and it's always evolving into something that's more important for us to put it in form of a podcast. So a lot of our listeners can listen to these conversations you know, it makes a lot of meaningful changes in the community and in the companies as well. Thank you <laughs> for having me. Thank you for making your time. I really, really appreciate it. The last time we had you here, I think we had like two hour of conversation that we made the podcast into two, yeah. three different episodes because you're giving so much gems about your stories and your background and all your experiences and also the work that you've been doing. So um, it's been, I think, more than a year since the last time we had you on the show. How has it been? It's been good. I would say uh, 2023 was a bit of a challenge because um, 
we have seen close to, I would say, 500 plus anti-LGBTQ bills in different parts of the country, which was so appalling to me as to these bills are um, in a public restrooms, issues in the public restrooms, some of them are more targeted towards the trans folks, even going to the doctor's office when healthcare in, uh, I would say, civil rights that they have, uh, the right to discriminate somebody. And uh, these laws are so appalling. They are so dangerous to the community. I've been advocating quite a bit in that side. And um, any moment that I have, I was spending and investing in uh, so many organizations where I could speak up. One area that I've started focusing in 2023 is in the healthcare side. I'm a management consultant. I have 25 plus years of experience working with the payer industry, the provider industry, and the pharmaceutical industry. And to me, uh, making a change happens in all the four powerhouses of the healthcare industry, uh, where I would say it's the providers, um, payers, pharmaceutical companies and policymakers. So the policymakers is where I started making a change because this is important. If you want people to really understand what we're going through, then we have to educate the doctors and nurses and the medical community so that they understand what we are going through. So I've been reading so many articles, speaking at so many conferences, and it's been interesting to see how people are so uh, not aware of uh, what gender incongruences and that is the key to why we are different if they don't understand that then it's probably assumptions it's not that this is a lifestyle choice this is who we are and who i am i didn't wake up one day and say i'm going to be trans from now on it's going to be cool i don't think it's a cool thing to do it's part of who we are and that's what made me feel like i was part of the community i've been the advisory boards for the pharmaceutical companies as well I'm the DE advisor for uh, Sineos Health and a few other organizations that I'm part of, of course, uh, in the executive board for TransCan work, focusing on um, employing and educating companies to hire more trans and gender diverse communities across the country. So these are so many initiatives that I put my head into. And uh, I recently got my company and NGLC certified, which is that certification really helps because when you work with different organizations they know that you're a certified company and um, that really gives more credibility to what the work you're doing it's been a quite a lot of work and uh, from the personal side it's been interesting because my daughter graduated from her from her graduate program and uh, she got a job at the public utilities commission in sacramento so it was hard to see her move you know though we are all in california we are in la and she is in sacramento it's like six hours from our home, and we miss her quite a bit. I was hoping she would stay closer and work with some organizations in you know, state of California in LA area, <laughs> but she chose to go to the powerhouse of where the decisions in California is made. It's in the Sacramento office. Interestingly, I didn't know that California is one of the four states which is um, across the world in their economy. They are rated as number four in the economy across the world. Whatever changes we're making in California is affecting the world, not just in the United States. So I'm so happy that my daughter is part of those initiatives, energy consumption, clean energy, and also advocating for, you know, her parent, that's me, and people like me. So, yeah, there's been a lot happening. Uh, it's been interesting. But at the same time, uh, the pushbacks in DEI has come. 
I would say it's called compassion fatigue. <laughs> People have lost interest. They do so much work that they feel at some point they're like, yeah, I get it. You know, what do you do? You have this problem. You're trans and I'm doing my best. So there's a lot of things that's happening. That's probably the negatives that I see where companies are pushing back on DEI, pushing back on pronouns initiatives and saying, these are not good things. People are coming up with this. And even people like Elon Musk, when you mention things like cisgender is a slur, mm. it's derogatory. I don't know what to tell because they are so uneducated in that space, though they are so good in what they do. It's better to just stick to your creation, to innovation and stay there mm. rather than put your head into spaces where you don't understand. I have written a lot of articles about it. And of course, Elon Musk, uh, one of their child is also trans. The child never wanted to accept the dad the way he was talking about the trans community. So there is a lot happening. And I, lastly, I want to also add that um, I attended one of Maeve's sessions and she mentioned about mm. you and I was immediately like, oh, that's Tiffany. <laughs> so it was so um, joyful to hear how you mm. fulfilled those dreams that Maeve had, especially living in Japan for many years. This was uh, their thing. They wanted to do this. So I'm so happy to be part mm -hmm. of the show and uh, be interviewed in this conversation. Let's let's get mm -hmm. to it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, like Maeve Valley, a common friend, and now you're also connected with her. I'm glad that you were able to connect with her during her talks, one of her talks in California, in releasing her book. I just actually started reading her book, and I told her, after I read her book, I'm going to have her again on the show because I think I am not even half of the book yet. But like what she's sharing is just like so authentic about her real life experiences like ever since. So um, yeah, like you and Maeve are like the ones that always inspires me to continue doing this, this work for our community. And before I go dive deep about the topic that we want to discuss today about gender pronouns you said earlier about the compassion fatigue i think i've probably asked that to you before because i know mm -hmm. that you do so many things how is it now how do you do take care of yourself this past year i know that it's been very difficult for a lot of um advocates and activists in america of all those things happening during this past year so how did you work on your compassion fatigue that you were talking mm -hmm. about earlier there are so many things that you can do. But what I have learned to do is just remove myself for at least a couple of uh, hours or day, uh, hour or days in a week or even uh, hours in a day. So I used to wake up every morning listening to the news. And to me, that was so, so difficult when you keep listening to more of negativity in the news and then you're working with a lot of unrecognized communities. And to me, that was so appalling when I see that the veterans are getting discriminated, the people with disabilities are getting discriminated, the black community is getting discriminated with all the critical race theory and so much happening, LGBTQ community all the time. And it's always in the forefront and it's been in the news um, all the time. When you listen to this so much and it kind of hits you at a point where you feel like, I get it and I want to do something about it, but I don't want to hear again and again because to me, I, I don't want to be insensitive to these issues. I want to be really sensitive to these issues. So what I do is I, I do self-care. 
self-care is I take off from all this work. I take off from a screen and just go and stare at the fields. Uh, during my lunch hour, I try to go to a field nearby and they have cherry in the farms and there are a lot of farm workers picking cherry. And I see the beautiful sky and I just sit there. I just have my lunch and I have my snack after that, my little dessert, whatever that I bring. And I just enjoy that one hour lunch time that I have. And it kind of refreshes my mind. Of course, I quickly get onto my LinkedIn again. I keep going back to my phone and I try not to. <laughs> but I think it's good for us to remove ourselves from these distractions at least a couple of hours in a day and just look at the world around, enjoy just little things like petting our little cat, taking them for a walk and uh, standing outside, going for going to the gym. Places where we can detach from this mm. and uh, help us to rejuvenate or I would say recharge ourselves when we get back to these spaces. It's very important for us to do that or else we'll get a burnout. That's what happened to the doctors during COVID. You know, they just constantly were working and people were not understanding and there was so much of noise around whether vaccines, non-vaccines and doctors were like, we are all dying here. This is so important. Go take the vaccines. And, you know, there was so much of uh, compassion fatigue and nobody even cared and so many people died. So it's so important for us to really remove ourselves from the situation, which I did. And also, um, when I read articles, I read about um, not getting to the issues, but also the overarching issues on top of this article. I'll give you an example. When I read about diversity inclusion, I know there's so much going on in Florida. There's so many companies that are very performative. They're not transformative. I get all that. But I now think about, okay, I understand the problem. Now, how can I help this company? Rather than thinking that, these guys are going to help. These people are bad. It's not about complaining, but coming up with a solution. What do you always think? I need to think about a solution when there is a problem. So I think about a problem and say, okay, I get it. Now, what do I do to mitigate this problem? And that makes me more constructive, more productive. And I start putting it into my notes. I start writing. So I'm recently starting to focus on climate change and issues that also affect our trans community. For example, in India, one of my friend, Kalki Subramaniam, she's working with the trans community. They have little shacks and they have hotels. They have like uh, makeshift restaurants. It's all built in shack. When you have rains coming, when you have so much of floods happening in India, what happens is the business gets affected because that's the only source of income they have. And that gets affected because the water comes and washes down. They don't have ingredients. They don't know where to go buy it. So there are a lot of trans community who are really good in cooking but their business is getting affected. There are a lot of them who are interested in doing manual labor. In America, people are privileged. At least, you know, we have something. We have a roof over our head. It can be even a car. So there's a lot that can happen, and there's so much that we can do. So I'm starting to look at how do you put the ESG together, the environmental and social governance? How do we tie it all together and give solution to these companies that are only looking at people issues? But it's also in the community that we live, we need to find a resolution. We need to find areas to help. And that's what I've been uh, focusing on. That's, that's the way I look at issues so that that keeps me away from these targeted negative thoughts. And it gives me an overarching perspective. I also take a look at the issues more globally, like uh, what you're doing. It's not just a local issue within California or within U.S., but I also think about what's happening across the world today. Where can we make changes? Where are the same-sex marriage legislation being passed? Now there's uh, in Korea, in Japan, so many other countries. I see a lot of things happening and following those uh, models which we can apply in different parts of the country. 
that's where I think pronouns also come to the point. So there are so many things that I can do. I can also send you a list of things we can do to take care of uh, compassion fatigue, educating ourselves. It's good to disagree because uh, I disagree with my wife on few things. <laughs> that doesn't mean we are we hate each other. Uh, we just say, I know, I, I don't, I don't agree with you, and I disagree, and we are still friends, or you know, we are still married. We don't get away somehow. I have a lot of friends that I disagree with. What is more important is I tell the organizations that it's okay to disagree with some of the issues that are there, but here's the thing: don't discriminate. I do care when people discriminate because that's when you're actually turning your unknown fear into hate. So I do talk about that. I do have healthy conversations with um, people and they disagree because that really helps you to be in space. Sometimes they say, you know, don't be in that space where the people disagree with you. A lot of times I have been in situations where people disagree with you because they have compassion fatigue. Some of them are like, I don't get it. I know what LGBT community is going through, but I don't care. I want to make sure you people go to hell. Now, I always say this, you can educate people who are ignorant, but you cannot educate people who are arrogant. So when I see people, then they get to the point of arrogance, then I say, you know, goodbye. We are not going to have this conversation. I don't want to be part of your circle because you are just propagating hate. You're promoting hate rather than love and acceptance and inclusion, you know, where you can really do some changes. There are a lot of things that we can do in terms of compassion pity, but um, I think it's really important. Yeah, there are lots mm-hmm. of things. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Celia. That's like even the smallest things. I'm glad you know how to go back and recharge yourself. I would love to have this conversation next time with you. Like, I, I think we can go deep dive about, you know, like this topic about compassion. Oh, yeah. But um, I want to go back to what you said about the mm-hmm. climate change, because the reason why I want to talk to you a little bit about this, because recently I went back to the Philippines and I haven't been back for like a decade in the Philippines and mm-hmm. seeing how the changes, like the third world countries, India, Philippines, Living in a privileged, like what you said earlier, privileged country like Japan, the first world countries, mm. um, I feel sad knowing that the most countries that are going to get impacted by the climate change are the third world countries. And they don't even have that resources. Mm. They don't even have that education and knowledge about like what they should do, what are the things that they need to you know, at mm. least start doing now. I'm observing a lot of things like while I was back home. But I just felt like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how long I've, I haven't been back home in India. But, you know, like, how can you, like, tell them to change? How can you even tell them? How can you even start to, like, explain to them? Especially, with, for example, with my own relatives. I can't even tell them, like, for example, like, I, I love bringing every time my own um, echo bag. And they don't even have that mentality in the Philippines. So even I was in the Philippines, I always have my echo bag. But they kind of seen mm-hmm. how my habit was so i hope that they will implement that too because i'm I'm doing it because the thing is like i can't just tell them like you should do have an echo bag too you know <laughs> but mm-hmm. how do you feel for example in india i don't know when was the last time you were in india i was there last year last january right so i'm sure you've seen all these like things you wish that you know the education was working when it comes to climate change you wish that they have this implementation change there's so much to talk about right. when it comes to climate change, right? So 
How do you feel about it when you went back home? I think the, there was a lot of awareness in terms of the, uh, I would say, the environmental issues. Like uh, they don't have straws, they don't have plastic bags at all. They don't give you plastic. Bags. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the store, no. you bring your own bag, and they'll say, "I can't. We don't have plastic bags. I'm so sorry." And you you can argue with them, and so you are you you need to bring your own bag and put your groceries in there, or you have to buy uh, an eco bag. They have a bag you can buy from them for a much cheaper price, which they can. It's a reusable bag, so you can buy not plastic bags. And of course, they have dishes now, which they started making these dishes in in uh, banana leaves, and they started uh, knitting that. And they've got a lot more uh, way the plates and everything. They've started. Uh, recycling and uh, small banana based i've seen quite a few and i was just encouraged that india is actually much advanced compared to other countries us i would say mm. um, of course i would compare it with the mm. you know the other countries like the southeast asia but definitely uh, southeast mm. asia i think they have already started implementing they started thinking about it but um, plastics and again you know there's so much of issues in terms of metals and plastics they started uh, thinking about it and some areas they are really doing well some areas they are still struggling when it comes to water sanitation mm-hmm. and those kind of things they're still not there yet but um, i I've, i've seen from my generation to the younger generation now they are much more conscious they won't throw anything on the road they go around trying to find a mm-hmm. a dust and we call it dustbin you know trash so they try finding that and then putting it in there and a lot of them have bags so when you are in a local restaurant you have a lot of this uh, trash bags they started using those days they never had anything like that they'll just put it in a dump bin and then they dump the bin somewhere in a trash place where they have so much going on the rivers have been re- rejuvenated there's a lot of work they're done doing in the local lakes mm-hmm. and they're cleaning up the lakes the rivers i have a friend on linkedin who does that a lot of work around the lakes and rivers and trying to plant more vegetation around it which kind of clears and filters the water much better so there's a lot happening i would say and it's it's so comforting to see uh, the country that i grew up and i was born uh, where it it was never part of it now there people are more aware of it i'm really happy to hear that uh, in india like they're implementing all these new initiatives um there are things that change for mm-hmm. example like there are the rivers that were the lakes that you said there are some that they really worked on changing and cleaning but still there are so many like pollution that you see everywhere i wish philippines could have focused more like in these issues because at the end of the day again like when it comes to like the impact of the climate change they're the ones who's going to be vulnerable about this you know issues I think another conversation for that next time with climate change Celia but the topic that I really would love to talk to you today about gender pronouns because I think you are very knowledgeable about this um I have an American friend who visited me last year here in Japan and he expressed his feelings about the non-binary and the use mm-hmm. of the pronouns mm-hmm. and he was complaining that why we have to use they them it's a plural thing and it's confusing mm-hmm. and he said that he respects me of course as a transgender woman and he can understand that he can use she her to me because i look like a woman but not other transgender which is probably for him not even i guess passing right so basically i just <laughs> listened to all what mm-hmm. he said about this issue and mm-hmm. if you were faced with a friend 
expressing or anyone expressing discomfort and confusion about using they them pronouns for non-binary individuals and asserting that this person can only use she her for those who visibly align with traditional gender norms how would you approach educating this person on the importance of respecting diverse gender mm-hmm. identities and pronouns important part of it is knowing what this community is going through so there are um, within the trans community you have both um, binaries and gender non binaries right so when when you really look at uh, what you can do when there are folks who are because the, the binaries of folks uh, trans folks who transition from male to female female to male they go with he him or she her pronouns now there is a non binary side of it where which is gender diverse people in a gender by gender gender fluid gender neutral two spirit all of them they are part of the gender diverse community and some folks feel like they don't want to be recognized as uh, a male or female because they they believe gender is a spectrum in native american culture there are like five genders in india we have three genders they have started recognizing the transgender community as another gender with a marker t so there are so many if you go across the world there are even in philippines i believe there may be so many other uh, ways and options to express the trans spectrum in terms of gender and uh, though there is always a binary side of it the one thing that i always tell people is is you know that they go back to the bible and they argue about adam and eve and male nobody is disapproving that what we are trying to say is the gender is not just them but also other folks too so it's not just male and female but there are also folks like intersex who are having both genitalia biologically and they are born with both genitalia and sometimes the parents make a wrong decision in terms of how they want the child to be they make a wrong choice and the child ends up in the wrong gender so the intersex community is also another important way in which i educate first as to it's not just male female but also there is another category so we call them as androgynous or mostly i would say intersex community because uh, it is important to educate them and when we talk about they them pronouns these are something which have been used across centuries now shakespeare uh, charles dickens uh, agatha christie when agatha christie first wrote um, a novel and agatha christie mentioned that this murderer they could be male or female or they didn't want to even go to the gender but then they said the murderer could be anyone and they could be anyone they use the word they because they has been a very common usage in those days even in the 16th century shakespeare time they wrote they and sometimes we refer to god as thou they thou art and the way in which it's referred is not this he but we are when the versions of bible and changed what happened is people started genderizing because that's what fit the society but before that we never had um, just male and female or he and she we had sometimes we also had they to refer with reverence so they was always a part of the english uh, lexicon it was always there it was very important that's number one i just established that saying that this is there and i can give so many so many quotes and ways in which the articles are written books are written and why they has been such a significant part of the history now moving it down many centuries later in our community people when they say that they don't identify as he or she it's because they feel like you know their gender is a spectrum 
for me uh, instance i identify as gender non binary because i though i am a trans femme i represent more as a trans femme i feel there is a part of me which is uh, i don't hate my anatomy i am not medically transition i'm socially transition so there is a part of me sometimes i feel like i like to push the edge of gender non binary i like that ambiguous thing i sometimes go i pull my hair back when i went to india last time i had to go as very gender neutral so that people wouldn't misunderstand me because it's also a safety issue so a lot of times you think about what you want to do i'm not saying that all trans people do that but for me um in my circumstance i felt this was more appropriate for me because i was signing a document and i had to be a male in my legal name for that document to be executed uh, i was selling a property back in india so when you get to situations like that and in india the government is so much uh, patriarchal that uh, sometimes this is written the document was given to two sons not a daughter there is no trans involved sometimes you could lose your property because you have changed into something else and you made it legal and then you're going to lose your property because my friend actually lost her property because she was a muslim and when she transitioned um she was the eldest in the family when she transitioned she lost most of the property because it was given to her brother and as a trans woman in in the family she lost all the property and she told me that this was something that happened to her so there's so much of gender variance that happens in other countries we don't understand these nuances how do we navigate these changes in terms of so it's not about just male or female but respecting people the way they want to be respected even i have difficulty using they them pronouns right i'm not saying i'm good because i studied in the british grammar so to me uh, grammar is so important i cannot say they for one person it took a while for me and then i started looking at the person and i said this person is a package of identities mm. and i'm going to yeah. say that as mm-hmm. they and when i started looking at it that way like they are an asian they are an instrumentalist they are an entrepreneur and mm. they have a great hair and they are so good in what they do so i started then they just came in in a very free flow they are asian and they are also gender non binary and so it it became much more easier when i started adapting my own way of respecting that human being not just as a trans but as a person with intersectional identities so that brought in all these elements of they it made sense that i use they quite often uh, even in our workplace sometimes you say that when you have an issue you can re- respond to them and you can make sure that you talk to them because they don't know who is going to be in that team it could be male female or trans so they is being used it's just that we don't know we when we are using it on a person we kind of feel this apprehension and uh, it's more as a mindset and once we change our mindset be more accepting learning to unlearn then it makes a lot of sense to use they them pronouns learning to unlearn oh i love that <laughs> thank you like so it's so fascinating serious that you mentioned earlier about the um used that agatha christie um the shakespeare that they them i didn't even you know notice that so thank you for bringing that up and now it makes me like read the shakespeare's books again and agatha christie's books to just like really um see like how those has been is has been applied ever since um before mm-hmm. and i'm really interested about this topic because 
like I said earlier to you, I went back to the Philippines. Mm. That, that's still one thing that didn't change in the Philippines. Before, when I experience, whenever I go back, of course, I look like this. I, I look the same. Mm. But for some Filipinos, they would think that like, I'm a foreigner because I don't look like typical Filipino. Mm. So when I speak to them in Tagalog, with the mother language of the Philippines, they will be surprised. And the terms that they've been used, for example, when they didn't know I'm a Filipino, they would always say ma'am. And then once mm. they found out that I'm Filipino, mm. and then that connects to like, oh, she's Filipino and she's trans. Mm. And I think because of my voice as well, they will say instead of, they, they will not use the word ma'am anymore. They will use sir. And oh my God. <laughs> and, oh my God. Right. <laughs> so it's, it has been like ever since before, like for me, every time I, I get that, I feel like, mm. why would you call me sir? And then this time, when I went back home, this is the very first time I really told the person. There was two person who called me sir after they found out I'm a Filipino. And I told them, Thank you so much for tuning in. If you reach up until this last minute of the show, I am extremely grateful for you for tuning in the whole entire episode. If you enjoyed our episode today, please share it to your friends. You can copy and paste the link wherever you are listening to right now. Text your friend, share on your Instagram stories or your Facebook page. Tag me on your social media when you post it. I'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts on the interview that I had today. And if it's your first time here once again, please do me a favor to subscribe on the podcast. Leave us a review. In every review, it makes me so happy. So I'm looking forward to your ratings and review on our podcasts. You could impact someone's life right now by just sharing our episode today. I hope you enjoy this episode today as much as I do. And I hope you know how much you matter, how much I appreciate your time for listening, how much I love you and appreciate you. I am truly grateful for your kindness and your support. And as I always say, sprinkle kindness wherever you go. I love you and stay safe and healthy. Join us again next Tuesday for the Breakfast with Tiffany show with Tiffany Rossdale.